Well, I certainly appreciated the Pastor Mitch and every week having to prepare a message. I've been taking eight weeks, <laughs> and it's very hard to, to try to get your thoughts around even a short passage like this. Uh, but there's so much here for us to look into, and uh, I've been looking forward to uh, talking to you this morning and hopefully presenting something that's new and fresh for us to hear. I've been praying about who would be present today, and I've been praying also about uh, what the Lord would have to speak to each one of us. So I hope that that will be the case. And I want to open in prayer also, just so I can calm my own thoughts. Father, we thank you that we can gather in your name, and we pray that uh, you will work through your word, that uh, our hearts will be touched, that we will be open to hear what you have to say to us. Lord, all things come from you, and we are most grateful for that. And Lord, now we are asking you to um, speak to us, to lead us uh, in whatever you would help, help us to understand. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm, my foot is much better, but uh, sometimes I can't stand for as long as I would like to on occasion. So, yeah. And so I'll probably be going up and down, maybe. <laughs> but uh, speaking of my foot, when I went out to Arizona, I did a lot of preparation because it was a part of Arizona that I had never been to before. And uh, whenever I go to some place that I haven't been to before, I want to be as familiar as I can with uh, where I'm going to be at, how I can get around. And when I uh, find myself in those types of situations, I turn to those things that I see as uh, resources uh, to give me that kind of direction and give me that kind of familiarity. Now, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of old school. I uh, start off with an atlas. And uh, for me, this gives me a good picture of an overall view. It gives me uh, like a 1,000 foot, 20,000 foot degree perspective on where everything is at and where they are in relation to each other. Went down to Phoenix and Sedona, and I wanted to know where are those places in relationship to each other. So this gives me a big picture on those things. Uh, and then I kind of move on to MapQuest, which kind of narrows down my focus. I have uh, the opportunity then to just kind of plot out specific routes. What is the distance between Phoenix and Sedona? What are the different ways that I can use to get there? Uh, what can I see along the way? And I usually print out uh, those results to carry with me. Still like to have the paper. Uh, in fact, uh, this isn't about Arizona, but I actually printed out the map of the campgrounds here because this is a confusing place to get around. <laughs> so I wanted to mark off where is it that our campsites were going to be at and where can I find you when I show up here, even though I was here last year. Um, and then the last option that I use is, of course, I use the phone. So actually, in the state, uh, after landing and getting the rental car, I uh, use this a lot, the voice directions. And uh, that brought me down to very much the more of the specifics as to where I was going to go. It told me exactly the turns I was to make, the names of the streets, the distance that I was traveling at any given time, and that kind of thing. So from a big picture down to a small type of detailed approach, all of these things I looked at as kind of like authoritative resources that gave me an assurance that I wasn't going to get lost. I don't like the feeling of being lost. I don't like that sense of not knowing where I'm going and what I'm doing or how, do I, how am I going to get around. Um, and, I don't like those, and I don't like that feeling, especially when it's uh, in unexpected situations. I was out in uh, West Virginia a couple years ago doing the same kind of thing that I did for Arizona and traveling a long distance, excuse me, coming back from a, a, a town back to my sister's home, 
And I, was, I knew the route, I knew where I was going, and then the voice told me, uh-oh, uh, we've got a traffic jam up ahead. It's going to take you 15 extra minutes on the route that I was plotting out. Turn at this next light. Well, now I'm off the grid. And I had no idea where I was at then. I had to totally depend on that uh, device in order to give me the proper directions. And certainly it did. It just led me right back around a different way back to my sister's home. So we're going to look at something this morning which deals with a greater authority than just these kinds of resources that I'm uh, describing here. Uh, and it's not an authority in things or objects, but it's an authority that is placed within a person. And that person, of course, is Jesus. So uh, I like what Mitch usually presents us each week with a big idea. And the big idea that we're going to be looking at this morning is, is the more we see of Jesus' authority, the more our faith in him grows. The more we see of Jesus' authority, the more our faith in him grows. Now, I don't know about you, but the, the um, word authority might have negative connotations for some of us. And uh, it probably is dependent on who in the past has been an authority over you, either a parent or a boss or uh, uh, some kind of teacher in the past. And they may not have held that authority very well. Um, so the word authority might draw up connotations of something that is um, harsh or negative or manipulative or demanding. Uh, that's not the take that we're going to have on a, the idea of authority this morning. The idea that we're going to have of authority, especially when it's in the hands of Jesus, is that which is positive. It's certainly the idea that Jesus is in control, but it's purposeful. And it's, and it's intentional. And it is uh, an authority that is used in order to lead us to a greater purpose or a greater end and a positive outworking of that. Uh, and the more that we see, the more that we understand that authority, uh, the more that our faith, the more that our trust, the more that our uh, belief in him can grow and be enhanced. And it's built up and it's also stabilized. So, oh gosh, I knew I could have something to hang up my nose here. There's a rock somewhere around here. I know. I can go on a rock. There, can I use my phone? Oh, thank you. I guess I can use on both sides, I think. I'll use my phone and your phone, too. Okay, now with all of this jumbled up here. <laughs> <laughs> Take me a minute. It's fine. All authority <laughs> has a, a organization, right? And even in the unexpected. Yeah. Is, uh, this page I don't know. It's done. You know. Oh, you could use one of the clipboards. Oh, oh yes, hey, a clipboard. There we go. I just sat at the same time. All right, I just got to make sure to get them in the right way. There we go. So forgive me, the wind is... You don't have authority to rebuke the wind right now, or you're not here, <laughs> or do you? Oh, do you have an idea of where we're going with this one? <laughs> okay. So the more that our 
Mine is a case, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last part of the page, but that's not right. That's what's nice about being in a group of people that you're familiar with. It's like, ah, more grace to you. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> um, but in these verses, I want us to take a look at, at this idea of this relationship between authority and faith. Um, and quite honestly, I think there's probably going to be some things here that we're already familiar with. But as I mentioned before, that um, in my prayer, I was just hoping that there would be some way that the Lord would be able to bring a fresh perspective or a new idea or understanding about things that we might have heard in the past. So, and even this story we might have heard before and heard taught. So um, there might be some things that are not exactly new, but uh, I think that there's new ways that we can look at it. And on, God is always going to be bringing out new uh, ideas for us to think about. So we're going to look at this idea of Jesus' authority as revealed in these verses. And in doing so along the way, we're also going to be opening up a lot of questions. And there's going to be questions that I'm not going to necessarily be able to answer on your behalf. Because these are questions that talk to us and speak to us and direct us in a deeper level to examine our lives and to see where, we're sta where we stand in our faith. Because knowing most of you, all of us have made at least some part of a declaration of faith in Jesus. So um, this, these, passage, this pass these verses will open up the questions about where our faith is at. So let's look at the first way that Jesus' authority is revealed in this verse. He has the authority to direct, and that is found in verse 22. One day he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Now this doesn't seem to be a very big or dramatic type of uh, request on behalf of Jesus to his disciples, but um, it does have the weight of a command. Jesus' ministry here on earth was very purposeful. He knew where he was going. He knew where he needed to, to minister. And so even within this sim simple directive, he is saying, okay, we're done here. Now we are needing to go over to this area here. Uh, he's in charge. He's the one who's leading the group. And the disciples recognize that. And uh, it's not too difficult to see how that has come about because before that, they have already witnessed a demonstration of Jesus' authority. They have already seen workings of miracles. They've already heard him teach. Um, and, he, and it was often said of his teaching that he taught with authority. So they already recognized positionally that Jesus is in charge and that he has uh, <coughs> the ability to tell them what to do. And they have entrusted them, their lives to him. They are following him. So already in a sense, the authority that they recognize, they're entrusting their lives to Jesus at this point. So there was a beat obedience on their part. Um, I, as I said, I don't know where you or I, uh, a lot of these verses spoke to me personally um, a lot. <laughs> and, and, and the question that I had when I first read this verse was, where, where do I stand in terms of recognizing Jesus as an authority in my life, especially an authority to direct what I do in my life? I resist that because I want to be the one that's in control. I'm more comfortable in kind of knowing, okay, this is what I want to do, this is where I want to go. So I find it very difficult to turn that authority over to somebody else. And yet this is what, and yet this is what the disciples recognize, and this is something that I also need to recognize, that we all need to recognize, that we need to turn that authority over uh, to Jesus. Uh, I think it's also 
difficult because when we do that, we don't quite know what to expect. We don't know what's going to happen, what's going to be the outworking of that. Um, it's clear in this statement that they were going to go to the other side of the lake, but sometimes for us, it's like we want to be obedient, we want to obey his commands, but it's not always clear as to what's the objective or what's clear about where we're going to end up as a result of doing that. So, but we, we are called upon to see that Jesus has our interests in mind and that he is definitely wanting to lead us, like we said before, to a purposeful end. So Jesus has the authority to direct. That's what we see in the, in the early stages here. But Jesus also has the authority over our well-being. And let's read the next verses after this. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. So let's stop here. It doesn't look like that's a very a situation where, <laughs> where there's anybody's well-being in mind. But uh, what started out as a very simple, easy-going type of sailing trip turned into something drastically different. And some details that aren't evident in, this, in these verses, but which we can apply uh, at least within our imaginings about what was going on. Um, amongst the disciples, you had four disciples that were fishermen. And these were men that were skilled in knowing about how to sail, where they were. This was a lake that was very familiar to them. They already knew uh, probably how to go anywhere on that lake from prior experience. And uh, the other uh, passengers in the boat, the other disciples, are letting that happen. When Jesus, um, you know what, I, I, uh, I, I missed a point here, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I'll get back to it. Um, the, uh, uh, Jesus is allowing uh, them to be in charge of the, of the boat and letting them being sailed. He's comfortable with that enough in order to you know, fall asleep. He needs to get some rest. So even though he gave the command of um, letting them go to the other side of the lake, he wasn't the one who was necessarily needing to steer the boat. So in some ways, Jesus was trusting them to handle initially where they were going and the progress that they were going to make. But the situation that came up with this windstorm and the waves that came and they were swamping the boat, they were literally in danger. This was a life-threatening situation. This wasn't like something that they could have just bailed themselves out of. No, they were being pushed beyond what their abilities were able to handle. Even though you had four men who were probably most skillful in being able to control a circumstance like this, they were finding that they were not being able to do that. Um, it makes me kind of glad um, you know, when, the, when the other people in this boat were seeing what was going on, how do you think that they were feeling? You know, that it's like, okay, these guys, you know, they don't know what is going on. They don't know how to handle it. Um, but, you know, whenever I fly in a plane, I'm kind of grateful that the cockpit is closed up in front. Because I really don't want to be able to see pilots that may not find themselves in a situation like, oh, okay, we don't know what's going on here. Because then I'll panic along with them. But everybody's panicking in this situation. Everybody is, is uh, losing it. Um, so they cry out to Christ. They come to him. And they say, we're, we're, we're perishing here. They're being very honest 
about what their situation is. They're not holding anything back. Uh, a parallel passage that uh, also gives us account in, in Matthew, I think it is, um, the disciples were also saying to Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? So they're definitely expressing a high degree of desperation. So where is the idea of well-being fit into this? I think it is found within the term that they use to address Jesus at this point. They come to him and they say, Master, Master, we are perishing. They see in Jesus the ability that he's able to do something. They may not know what it's going to be. They don't know what, it's just basically, Jesus, we're dying here. We know that you can do something about this. Will you help us? So on our behalf, when we are in situations like this, there may not be um, crises that we go through that are this life-threatening, but there might be. Uh, the degree to which we are <coughs> recognizing that, do we turn to Jesus and recognize him as master? Do we see in those occasions that we, if we turn to him, he know, we know that he has our best interests in, in mind. We know that he will face the uh, unexpected with us. I think it's, it's difficult for us on those occasions to af uh, admit our inability, that we um, are afraid to admit that we are in something that we can't handle. Uh, a common phrase that is used these days, whenever I've asked some people, like at work or something, well, do you need some help? Their response to something is, no, I got this. I got this. And um, I think that's a very common feeling for me that's like, no, I, things are going kind of crazy here, but I still think I can apply my skills and apply my thinking, and I can probably get this job done if I just keep at it long enough and concentrate on it. But where do we get to the point where we finally are saying, Master, Jesus, I don't have this. I really don't have this. And it doesn't have to be in a crisis either that this takes place either. I mean, I think we can feel pretty confident when things are smooth sailing that we don't need any direction or that we don't need any help also. Um, I think that what needs to be built then is, is that whatever situation our life brings, that we are continually and more often recognizing Jesus as a master and in control beyond what our skills and abilities can bring to bear. Within him we have that hope and we have those resources in order to work through those kinds of crises. The idea of Jesus, and I can link this back to the point I wanted to make before, the idea of Jesus being asleep, um, I mentioned that that was uh, a factor in just Jesus initially allowing the disciples to be in charge of the boat and sailing and that kind of thing. But even within this time of crisis, Jesus was still in the boat. And the point I wanted to make before was, when Jesus gave the command for them to go to the other side of the lake, he used two words within that command. And those two words were, let us. Let us go across the other side of the lake. And the idea there being that even though he gives a command, he's not setting us off on our own to make it on our own. He's saying, no, I want us together to work on this that I'm commanding you to do. I'm coming alongside of you. I'm going to be with you through this. I'm going to have my presence is going to be uh, giving you that confidence and assurance of being able to fill those, fulfill those things that I am 
I'm asking of you to do. So in our, um, in the ability, in, he has authority over um, our ability. He has authority to direct. He has authority over our well-being. And he has authority over the circumstances that they were into. So if we read on in verse 20, 24, and they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. Jesus took action after the disciples came to him and made their request. As I said, he, by his word, simply by his word, he stilled the storm. Everything that was causing the crisis that was, that was surrounding them was stilled and stopped and ended. There was no more anything that was effective. Now, should I wait until they get here? <laughs> I, can, I can put it on pause for a little bit. Larry, are you helper too? Yeah. Can you back up now? I think she would. Oh, because there's yeah. more now. Okay. I was in there and Dana and Aaron. Kevin and Gail tonight over there. Gigi, you want to go play with the kids? Shane, morning. Morning. Gigi, you want to go with Larry? Go with the other kids? Play? No, we're not going to play. It is waiting outside. They have a little house. Go and find a little house. Mr. Larry. <laughs> okay, Did you see that little like look? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's raining outside. So <laughs> you kind of like pressure can go. No. <laughs> yeah. As we used to now. Group pressure. Oh, yeah. Good job being flexible, Brent. No problem. <laughs> Give me a authority, but Jesus has authority over you know, the rain. It's all on tape anyway here too. So, are you gonna edit out? Yeah, you have to edit this out. Actually, really hard, but I know. <laughs> oh, should I stopped it? No. <laughs> you hear the birds? Mitch <laughs> talking about birds. Yeah. Okay, well, since it looks like yeah. Heather will be over there for a little bit. Okay, so Jesus has authority over our circumstances. He took a direct action in order to um, stop that which was causing the crisis that was, that was um, happening to the disciples. He did the unexpected. He did the miraculous in this situation. When they had come pleading to him, I don't think that they knew what he was going to do. They didn't come to him and say, Jesus, stop this storm. They said, Jesus... Don't you care? Maybe that needs to be all that we need to pray at some point. You know, let us, you know, we're perishing here, but we know that you can step in and intervene at this moment. Please do something on behalf. Um, they recognized that the ultimate control was not in their own hands. They had seen that. It was obvious. They were pushed beyond the limits of what their skills could do. But at the same time, as they recognized that their skills were limited, they recognized that the authority of Jesus is limitless. There is just no obstruction, no barrier to Jesus and his authority. But the storm and the miraculous demonstration that Jesus uh, displayed of his power 
was also meant to draw his disciples into thinking about something a lot deeper, a lot deeper issue. The experience also reflected the kind of storms of emotions and the thought that can take place within our own lives. It's not necessarily the circumstances around us that can be disruptive, but it's also the, the emotions and the thoughts and the feelings that we have that also can be stirred and that can also create a storm within us. And those kinds of situations expose our desperation. They also expose our helplessness. And now that everything was calm in this story, in this narrative, now that everything is calm, Jesus wants to turn the disciples' attention to those inner workings of, of that. So after we have seen that Jesus' authority is over there, over the power to direct, and over their well-being, and over the circumstances, he opens up a question for them. And he says in verse 25, he said to them, where is your faith? Now how do you, how do you think, or what kind of attitude do you think Jesus expressed that question to them? It was kind of, uh, I, I've thought about that in many ways. It certainly was probably something very direct and forceful, kind of a rebuke, you know. It's kind of like, well, guys, didn't you see what I've done before? What did you expect? Kind of thing. I don't think it was asked in a, in a mocking way or a belittling way, but I think, I, but I see it as a very much a searching kind of question, a kind of question that asks them to think deeper and go deeper with their thoughts. Where is your faith? And I think he was also asking with an expectation, not necessarily right then of like, okay, Peter, no, where's your faith at this point? John, where's your faith at this point? It was meant to be reflective, a question that they were to carry with them further. But it was, it was honing in on two different, two different aspects of their faith. Where is your faith? Where is your faith placed? What are you trusting in? When these kinds of situations arise, who are you turning to? Where do you go to? Obviously, Jesus wants them to think, okay, I'm going to come to you, Jesus, but that doesn't seem to be always the case, definitely with them or with us, that our, our thoughts and our, and our um, perspective can get scattered among so many things, and we reach for anything that probably can give us help. Jesus wants that focus to be, okay, where is your faith? Is your faith really in me? When you are pushed to the limits and brought to maybe some instance of real calamity, what do you trust? Who do you trust? So in our story, we saw that they rightly turned to Jesus. But will that be the only time? This story is uh, bracketed by other stories, and there's more stories to come, more narratives where the faith of the disciples is going to be challenged. So this question could be something that they can carry with them when they come across other situations that challenge their faith and say, well, where is my faith placed in? Who is it placed in? But it's not only in terms of the focus of the faith. I think Jesus also wants them to recognize by asking this question, how much is your faith? What degree, what amount of faith do you have? Is it a little bit of faith or is it a great amount of faith? Implying that faith is something that needs to be grown. Faith is something that needs to be worked on incrementally, maybe in some cases. It's not going to come all at once. We can have a declaration of faith, but the way that that faith is worked out doesn't necessarily mean that we have a greater faith. It means that the faith that we have is always going to be challenged 
And I think that Jesus is recognizing that he can be the one that can challenge us in our faith too. So are we satisfied with the amount of faith that we have? Are we truly focused in our faith on the right person of Jesus Christ? Are we really recognizing him as the source and resource of, of, uh, of those times and those situations that we find ourselves in that need, where we need our help? So after asking that question then, the disciples do have a response. They didn't answer those two questions, but there definitely was an indication of what they took with them as a result of that response, or as a result of that question. He said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? That, that question that the disciples asked is a perfect reflection of the big idea. You know, the more we see of Jesus' authority, the more our faith in him grows. They said to them, and who is this that he commands? Who is this Jesus that he commands, that he has this authority? Who is this person? And that's a, that's a question that for them is, not, is also going to be a growing question. More and more they're going to be um, confronted with all the different things that Jesus has done and that Jesus will do. And that question can remain with them in saying, well, who is this person? It's a question that we can take also. Who is this person, Jesus, that commands? There's the authority that he commands. And then they say, even the winds and waves. And there's the indication of the growth. What they had seen before with the miracles, with his teaching, now here, even winds and waves obey him. There's something more that's been added to their understanding of who this Jesus has authority over and what they can entrust to him. The more we see of Jesus' authority, the more our faith in him grows. I hope that uh, this, uh, this, these questions, like I said, are something that I can't answer for you. There are questions that are personal and that uh, we need to take with us and reflect on each time in our lives that there is something that might be a crisis or even when things are going well, that hopefully we can automatically say we are turning to Jesus as our master. We know that he is in control. He has the power to direct. He has the power over our well-being. He has the power over our circumstances. And I, therefore, I can entrust him more and more within that. Um, we are facing as a, as a church decisions as to uh, what we want to do for this summer. And we have brought those requests before Jesus. And I hope that within those requests that we are seeing this as a, and desiring to hear him say, let us, let us together do something. Let me lead you into a, a, a place where probably you aren't going to expect what's going to happen. It's going to be uncomfortable. But know that I am with you. Let us do this. I'm going to be with you. And we already have a mechanism by which we are already sharing the ways that we've seen Jesus work, that we are already building each other up in faith. The WhatsApp prayer and announcements and all those other things, we are already um, recording on those um, cases all the different ways that we see Jesus at work in our lives on behalf of ourselves and on behalf of others. 
So let's pay attention to those, too, that these are ways that we can encourage each other like the disciples did. The disciples said to one another, who is this? And so we are also amongst ourselves saying, who is this Jesus that we see that is in command? And we can be built up in our faith and encouraged through that also. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we see you more and more as in control of our lives. May we know you more and more as one who desires the best for us and that all purposes that you have for us, the outworking of those will be to your glory and will be to our best interests and, um, and for those of us around us, Lord, that we will be able to encourage one another that uh, we will join together in your work and in your, and in your desires. I pray these in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brian.